Hi, this is James Barris. I hope you find this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed to do that. Your support is greatly appreciated. I wanted to um, continue uh, a bit from last week when we were talking about community and um, our community and uh, Sangha. I thought we'd uh, just explore a little bit more because it's, it's been a topic on my mind, particularly as... Uh, Kate and I plan on uh, that brunch and on um, meeting uh, more people from the community. As I said uh, last week, um, <clears throat> just pointed out something that uh, most of you know, that Sangha is, uh, or the word Sangha, which means community, uh, is one of the the three jewels of this teaching. One of the three refuges. And first wanted to explore that, that word refuge um, together. The chant that we say at the end of the sitting, where we go, um, Budang Saranang Chami. I take refuge in the Buddha, in that place inside of us, the Buddha right inside of us, as well as respect and uh, inspiration from the historical Buddha. I take refuge in this natural seed of wisdom that we are all given, the potential, the capacity to completely awaken that comes out of a a longing for the truth, a yearning for the truth, and a a natural goodness that um, wants to be expressed. If we can hear it, sometimes it's not so easy to hear. But when we listen carefully, and this is one of the gifts in meditation, when we listen carefully, there it's been calling us all along. Kind of amazes me when when I think about it that, oh, it's been calling us all along and so, so much static gets in the way. But when you quiet down, ah, there it is, your own purity of heart that wants more and more to live in alignment with the truth. And this is something we can take refuge in. We can feel the support and comfort and safety of our own goodness and our own love for and yearning uh, for the truth. I take refuge in the Dharma. 
Damang Sarananga Chami. I take refuge in the Dharma, in the truth in this moment, in what life is offering to us right in this moment to wake up. It's amazing when you think about it that every moment counts if you are willing to open up to it instead of thinking, well, that was a good moment. This isn't quite as good. Uh, Let's spruce it up a little bit or let's get around to the good stuff. But taking refuge in the Dharma for me has always been one of the most profound statements. I take refuge in the Dharma. There is a kind of surrender of the control that we never had in the first place to see, oh, life is offering me this moment and if I can open up to it wisely, I can grow. If there's some contraction, I can learn to soften and open to even this moment of life. Or if it's if there's a, a, a pleasantness and a blessing in it, oh, I take refuge in in this gift as well. And to take refuge is a, a tremendously profound um, act of surrender. Just like in the Christian teachings where one says, not my will, but thy will. I take refuge in the Dharma. And I take refuge in the Sangha. Sangang Saranang Chami. And the word Sangha has a number of different meanings, just like the first two do as well. Sangha can refer to uh, all the beings since the time of the Buddha who have awakened, taking refuge and comfort in that and knowing, oh, it's really possible. This isn't just a nice idea or something that happened to the Buddha, to Siddhartha Gautama, but this is real. This is possible. And when you take refuge in that level of Sangha, you're finding inspiration and support in the capacity for human beings to awaken, for all of us to awaken. Sangha also can mean uh, the monastic Sangha, the, uh, those who've gone forth and who've given up their uh, lay life out of deep inspiration to um, commit to the holy life. And when we uh, see a monk or a, a nun in robes and they embody that presence and commitment to, uh, to the holy life, there's something that, again, inspires us. Um, there can be that deep a commitment and there are these embodiments and ambassadors of that, that, that commitment. And then on a more um, accessible level to all of us, taking refuge in the Sangha 
is taking refuge in community and feeling the inspiration that we don't have to do this alone. What a comfort. We don't have to do this alone. And as the Buddha said, um, you, it's, it's the most important thing. The whole of the holy life, the famous line where Ananda says, it seems that having good friends is half of the holy life, and, and the Buddha says, not so, Ananda. It's the whole of the holy life. That having good friends, we don't have to do it alone, and we can take refuge in the fact of like-minded friendship. Mm. I, I was with a group um, on last Sunday, a uh, group that I meet with every couple of months, a small group of uh, practitioners, and somebody uh, said they were, uh, they had been doing some uh, work with prisons, in, inmates in prisons, and talking about solitary confinement, that that's the, the real, that's the big punishment. And then they said something that's kind of stayed in my mind uh, about this um, uh, seeing a, a video, I think it was, or hearing about, I forget the, their actual uh, connection, but they had some um, connection with uh, hearing the story of this guy who'd been in solitary confinement for 42 years. But somehow um, he he got out and he didn't go crazy. It was like amazing that something kept him in his sanity. That one has kind of stayed in my mind. But, but one of the worst things that can be done, that's the big punishment, solitary, where you have no connection, no companionship. Of course, we go on retreats And there we are intentionally cutting ourselves off from connection with others. But it's done in the service of going deep inside and connecting in the most uh, profound way with ourselves so that we can then enter into... uh, into the social reality of being human. And that's why the Buddha had it set up with the the dana system that uh, a monk or a nun could not just go away and be by themselves. Every day they are dependent on others for uh, putting something in the begging bowl. He purposely set it up that way. So when people say, oh, well, you know, this this is all about... uh, you know, just withdrawing from life. Uh-uh. You can't withdraw if you're a monastic. You have to interact. It's right there in the, embedded in the system. Mm-hmm. Refuge in the Sangha. And the word that, um, that is used in, um, in Theravadan Buddhism 
for like-minded friendship is a word that we've talked about here from time to time, or it's a, a phrase, Kalyana Mita, Kalyana Mita, K-A-L-Y-A-N-A, Kalyana Mita, M-I-T-T-A, Mita and Metta and Maitri, um, Pali and Sanskrit uh, for the word friend, Kalyana Mita, spiritual friend. And a Kalyana Mita, I, I really like this term. We have these Kalyana Mita groups, spiritual friend groups, where it's not that somebody has all the answers, but it's somebody who is walking the path with you. It's somebody who can support you when you're feeling in need of support and someone who you can be a support to uh, if they need support. Now this is a term, friendship is, is something you don't have to be a Buddhist to, uh, to understand, but when you have a spiritual friend, more than just a person to hang out with, when you have a spiritual friend, there's a, an added dimension to the friendship in that you're part of the connection is to help each other become more conscious. That's a, a very valuable friendship. In our relationships, we might look for another person to fill our needs or to make us feel good but when we have, say, a relationship that's based on spiritual friendship, then there's that third aspect to the friendship that's beyond, will I get my needs met? When, when, uh, um, I, got, uh, when I was married uh, first, this is like 33 years ago, um, my wife and I did um, uh, in our ceremony, and it's something that I, I share in the ceremonies that I perform when I do marriages, which I, I, uh, I like to do for, uh, for friends, especially spiritual friends, uh, saying um, our relationship, this is in our, our vows, our relationship is a vehicle to help us grow in uh, trust, respect, understanding, and love. It's a vehicle. And in that, bringing that third dimension, it's like there's a stability to the relationship. It's not, will I get every, everything from this person that I want, but, oh, we're in this together to help each other grow, to help each other understand more, to help each other feel um, kindness and caring, and to help each other see where we get caught, too. That's part of the deal. Um, as much as you might like to think that you won't get caught, um, let's be real. 
to help each other wake up from when we get caught and how we get caught. If you have that kind of a relationship, whether it's a primary relationship or you have a, um, a friendship based in that, this is very, very special. The Buddha uh, has, has some, uh, in one discourse, he talks about the qualities of good friendship. And I, uh, I don't know if I can remember them all, but there are four main qualities and then four sub-ones sub in each of the, the main categories. This is his advice to lay people. He says, uh, a loyal a loyal friend um, helps you in good times or bad, um, keeps your secrets and shares their secrets with you, says good things about you and not bad things about you when others are around. If somebody else says bad things about you, he or she doesn't pile it on, <clears throat> but is looking out for your, for your welfare. And a good friend also is willing to, um, sometimes the word is translated as criticize, but not criticize, um, give you feedback, help you understand when you've made a mistake. This is, a good friend, of course, how they give you the feedback makes all the difference in the world. You know, rather than, uh, I got bad news for you, you really blew it. Um, but uh, I really care about you. And this, this is something that uh, needs some attention here. A good friend is willing to do that. A good friend is somebody that you don't have to fill up the space with either. You know, how many people uh, do you feel comfortable just hanging out in the silence? It's it's special when you can just hang out. In the, that's one of the beautiful things about sitting a retreat with with people that. There's an intimacy that grows because you're not just filling up the space. And then when you're able to just hang out there with the other person in the quiet and love the silence together, ah, then you're meeting in a, a much deeper place. You know that, that feeling if you're riding in a car with somebody and uh, if it's a really good friend, you might be riding for... 10, 15 minutes maybe even, and not say a word, but you just know it's okay. Nothing needs to be said. Or you don't need to impress. You can just be yourself and it's enough. It's always kind of intrigued me how when we are meeting somebody new, often there's this feeling of, wanting to be a little bit more than we are so that they might like us or be impressed with us or think we're cool, whatever. 
But the really good friends, we can just be completely ourselves, not trying to impress anybody. And in that not trying to impress, it's impressive, isn't it? Oh, I can just be myself. And when you're with somebody who lets you just be yourself and is just themselves, and you can relax and enjoy the conversation or the non-conversation. Ah, how wonderful. The Buddha talked about spiritual friendship a lot. Besides that line about Sangha. He said, actually, um, it's the best way to cultivate any qualities that you particularly want is to be with others who have those qualities. And in the teaching on uh, the seven factors of enlightenment, these different seven qualities that uh, when ripened express as the awakened heart, mindfulness, uh, investigation, energy, joy, calm, concentration, equanimity. And he says, uh, there is one common cause for the development of all of those. There's only one common thread for developing all of those, and that is being in the company of people who have those qualities. Each one has a list of other ways to cultivate it, but that's the one common denominator. Oh, you want to learn about um, joy? Hang out with somebody who has joy. You want to learn about equanimity? Be with somebody who has developed some equanimity. And he says in the, in the blessing discourse, the Mangala Sutta, he says, avoiding the company of the foolish and keeping the company of the wise. These are blessings supreme. <clears throat> so, um, Sangha and friendship, spiritual friendship, so important <clears throat> We need to belong. You know, in the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, there's survival, and then there's a sense of safety, and then the third in the basic hierarchy of needs is needing to belong, a feeling of needing to be connected. That's why whether you are, you know, uh, on the street and uh, needing some friends, or being in a gang, or being in, uh, in a club, or rooting for your team with others, or whatever. We, we need, it's such a basic human need to belong, but to up-level it, level it into this Kalyanamita dimension uh, is something just want us to explore a little bit, and I, I'd like to ask you, so this is relevant to you rather than just uh, me talking. Um, 
think of a good spiritual friend. Or if you don't have a good spiritual friend, think of a really good friend in your life. I actually invite you to close your eyes as you do this. But if you do have a a good spiritual friend, whether it's a, a close companion or somebody who you consider uh, somebody who helps you grow. What qualities do they have that inspire you? There might be a, a number of them. But just get in touch. What qualities do they have that inspire you? How do you feel around them when you're with them? And as you reflect on qualities that they have and how you feel around them, I invite you to reflect what qualities do you have that can help others? What qualities do you have that could make you or do make you a good spiritual friend? Check it out. Don't be shy. Don't be modest. And what is spiritual friendship for you? Okay, you can open your eyes. And um, before we go on further with the, the larger conversation, I would like you to turn to a couple of people and just have a little um, um, triad about the qualities of a good spiritual friend, maybe that you experience from someone else, and maybe uh, include the qualities that that you have to offer as a, uh, a kalyanamita. And then we'll come back in about 10 minutes. Uh, you can just turn to somebody or a couple of people near you and, um, and share. <coughs> Okay, just another minute or so and we'll finish up. You can thank your partners and come on back. So let's hear um, what you do. Thanks. What, uh, what qualities do you, as you reflected on it, uh, do you think go into good spiritual friendship? Could spend a little time. What did you come up with in your conversations?
Hang on, we'll just uh, wait. And why don't you say your name, uh, actually, as you start, we'll so we'll meet everyone. Put, your, put it right up to your lips. Yeah. My name is Barbara. Enthusiasm. Enthusiasm. Say, say a bit more uh, about how that, what that... Energy. Energy. Stamina. Uh, optimism. Mm-hmm. Great. Thank you. Hello, my name is Jill, and the spiritual friend I was reflecting on has the quality of being fully present. Mm. So when you're together and when you're speaking, you don't feel like she's just waiting for the opening so she can say what she's been <laughs> reflecting on being able to say next. It's just a, such an extraordinary experience to feel like when you're speaking, she is so completely present with you and the content of what you're sharing. And it's a very, very different mm-hmm. reality than having an interaction with most people. This person is actually a spiritual director and a clergy person and quite extraordinary. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Okay, thanks. Yeah. How radical, huh? Somebody being actually present for you. Yeah. yeah. Hi, my name is Scott. And one of the members of the group used the word integrity. And uh, I followed that with upright, and uh, another word might be righteous. And all three of those words have embedded in them a lot of other kinds of qualities uh, that you can all imagine, uh, but we felt those were uh, important qualities. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And uh, actually, I, w- I was looking at the Buddha's definitions of um, Kalyanamita, and that's one of the main ones. He says... Uh, what, what is meant by admirable friendship? A case where uh, a person in whatever town or village they may dwell spends time with, with others who are advanced in virtue, who um, engage and uh, talks with them, engages in discussions, and they have faith. And they, have, um, they are consummate in generosity and discernment, wisdom. This is called admirable friendship. It starts out with virtue and integrity. Thank you. Yeah, what else? It's not like there's any one right answer, but uh, what, what qualities do you value or have you got in touch with? Yeah, yeah, and say your name. Hi, I'm Amy, and I picture one friend who's just very empathetic. Oh, empathy was um, mm. the quality that I, I really value mm. in some of my friends. Just the ability to understand and feel the joy and suffering. Um, mm. Thank you. It's, it's along the lines of being fully present, and there's an added dimension of really being resonant with you in your, your energy. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thanks, Andrew. Yeah. Yeah. Hi, my name is Melanie. Um, the quality that first jumped to my mind from a, from a friend that is uh, well known is, is resilience, it, which is a form of I, I mean, I she's able to let go so quickly of adversity. She can just move past it in a way that is really inspiring mm. to me. Great, bouncing back, not getting stuck. 
one thing that came up in our group was uh, uh, integrity came up and also acceptance. Mm. Um, whatever positive or quality, negative qualities I have, that's fine. And mm-hmm. the, the feeling being mutual. I know that, that relates to some of the other qualities. Mm-hmm. Appreciating um, the, the whole presence. Package. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thanks. And what's your name again? Oh, I'm, I'm Sheldon. Sheldon. Great. Thank you. <clears throat> I was thinking someone who's a little closer to you, Matt. Oh, um, someone who's there, who you know is there, and who responds loyal in a certain sense. I think that Lo- was the last part. Loyal, loyal, loyal. In a sense, or sort of present. Mm-hmm. Well, present. Mm-hmm. I'm keep saying mm-hmm. the same things, sort of like other people have said, but just um, that you can count on them. Right, you can count on them. They'll show up there for you. Thank you. Maybe one, one last one. Well, Real other, clo- close other, to you, Mel. Other people have said similar things, but um, to me, a spiritual friend has some equanimity. Mm. I mean, that's like the letting go and the resilience, so a feeling that um, the person has developed some of that equanimity so they're not angry at life and critical about life and they can just be with the situation mm-hmm. so I want to develop that myself so I look for that in being with other people who have that mm-hmm. great thank you and equanimity besides being bal- having balance uh, another aspect of equanimity is um, accepting kind of what you were saying Sheldon just being there for however you are, and not trying to fix you or, or change you, but just allow you to be who you are. Uh, that, that is a hallmark of, of, of equanimity, where there's still caring, but there's um, a, a balance that's not needing to, uh, to change. Mm-hmm. Right, thank you. Any, uh, any last comment? This one, all the way in the back. You're getting some exercise here. Um, My name is Wendy, and um, uh, I'm sure this has been said already, but um, someone who always understands, and if she doesn't, finds a way to understand. Hmm. Who always understands. And then something that I just thought of as people were talking was that there's this real sense of freedom when you're with a spiritual friend. You are just free to be whatever you are Mm -hmm. (laughs) in the moment. Free to be yourself. Or as the uh, old Marlo Thomas uh, great album, Free to Be You and Me. One of the all-time great albums that have ever been put together. I mean, that, that's what every child needs to hear. You know, free to be you and me, just how you are. But somebody that you can just be yourself around. How extraordinary. Yeah. So now, all of, whatever quality you valued or you came up with um, from your friend, uh, just a a couple of things to keep in mind. One, um, you, have, you value those, that quality, 
So you're drawn to it, and it can be... um, Likely you have developed to some extent that quality, or if you haven't, you're drawn to it and can be a kind of um, forward edge in your practice to see either, oh, this is something that I value and that perhaps I can offer to others, or if you say, well, I don't know if I have that much to offer them quite yet, uh, but I value it, then keeping on hanging out with those kind of people and realize, oh, this is something that really matters to you. And as you're with them, as the, the Buddha said, developing those qualities, you can consciously, it's not like you're cheating. It's, you're, you're not taking anything away from them. You say, oh, I want some of that too. Uh, they'll have plenty to give. But you just kind of tune into that energy and see how much you value enthusiasm or really being there and showing up or just accepting who, who another is. This can be a kind of um, key uh, and, and a direction to point in your own practice. And at the same time, uh, whatever friendships you have, when you're a good spiritual friend, it develops your own practice. It can't help but develop your own practice. So to, uh, to know that others can feel safe around you or feel connected being with you, or allowing them to be just themselves in your... It's a practice of spiritual friendship that you can take on consciously. Oh, I want to be the best Kalyanamita I can be. And what, what I wanted to do as much as for you to reflect with yourself hopefully in just that the triad or however many people you were connecting with, you might have found that it was, uh, hopefully, I hope we're still friends, that, we're, that it was enjoyable just sharing, exploring the Dharma together without anybody needing to prove themselves or be right, but just being interested in exploring together. That's the kind of... Um, further connection and, and dimension that um, I, I really envision more and more where uh, there's this a feeling of um, we're all in this together. So I'll close with uh, a poem on Sangha from um, my favorite poet, Dana Falds. This is her poem, Sangha, from her book, Go In and In. Teach me what I cannot learn alone. Let us share what we know and what we cannot fathom. Speak to me of mysteries and let us never lie to one another. May our fierce and tender longing fuel the fire in our souls. When we stand side by side, 
let us dare to focus our desire on the truth. May we be reminders, each for the other, that the path of transformation passes through the flames. To take one step is courageous. To stay on the path day after day, choosing the unknown, and together facing yet another fear, that is nothing short of grace. So let's close with a short metta. And first, feel the grace of like-minded friendship and that we're drawn to all sit here together and, and share the Dharma. Let's feel that blessing. And wish yourself well so all the goodness can shine through. May I have peace inside and share my love well. May I see my true nature. And then sharing that with everyone here and all beings. May all beings in all directions know like-minded friendship. May all share their love well and know the highest peace and happiness. And may our coming here together be of benefit to all beings everywhere. Thank you. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.